Looking for inspiring destinations, incredible places to stay, and the most exciting bucket list experiences to travel to next? Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Having traveled to over 100 countries, Todd and Andy bring you unique perspectives with celebrities in the know, hospitality experts, and native connoisseurs to discover must-dos and inspirational destinations to plan your next trip for business or pleasure. So pack your bags and get ready as we bring you Destination Everywhere with Todd and Andy. Can you feel the wind blow through your hair as you take a winding road through the Italian countryside? Can you taste the fruity, smoky flavors of Chianti on your tongue as you overlook a breathtaking valley? If so, you're likely enjoying the beauty of Tuscany, Italy. On today's episode, we'll be interviewing Francis Mays, famous author of Under the Tuscan Sun and Always Italy. Plus, we'll get an inside look at the Castello di Gabbiano Winery with winemaker Federico Cirelli. So close your eyes and imagine the beauty of this Italian region. Picture the artistic towns and the beautiful countryside during today's episode of Destination Everywhere, Tuscany, Italy. Welcome everyone to this episode of Destination Everywhere. I'm Andy along with Todd Bloodworth and we are so excited to bring you today a favorite of ours, a place we've been many times and taken lots of clients over the years for incentive trips. That's Tuscany, uh, such an amazing place. The beauty and the grandeur of its rolling hills and all the great things to do from the architecture to the wine to the Renaissance museums that you can go to. Todd, I know you've been several times. What it really uh, stands out for you for Tuscany for you? You know, Tuscany, it's picturesque and there's, they're very strict about their development and what can be built. And they're very aware of their landscape because it is a big part of the tourism and the culture of Tuscany. And Tuscany is actually, it's quite a large region. And you might not know what cities are in Tuscany, but there's quite a few, namely, you know, Florence, obviously, Lucca, Siena, Pisa, and Elba, the island of Elba, where Napoleon spent his exile, is part of Tuscany. And just outside the border is Cinque Terre. And a place that people go back time and time again, you just fall in love with Tuscany. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone. I've had friends have huge destination weddings there. Like I said, we've rented out entire vineyards and chateaus for incentive trips. So there's lots to do, whether you're going just as a couple or you're bringing a big group. Yep. And in this episode, we're also going to talk to Castello di Gabbiano, which is a Chianti. They do the Classico Chianti, and it's a very specific region for Chianti. And there's actually, again, a lot of movies from this area. We've got Made in Italy, which was a Liam Neeson, A Room with a View, The English Patient, Letters to Juliet. But of course, there's another movie that I think everybody thinks of when they think of this region is Under the Tuscan Sun, which is uh, the memoirs of our guests today, Frances Mays. They were turned into a movie and she's going to share a little bit about her experience in Tuscany, what she enjoys doing and her new book that she's partnered with National Geographic. So we are going to be right back with Frances Mays to uh, hear all about her version of Italy.
Welcome back to Destination Everywhere. I'm really excited for our next guest. She is actually an award-winning, best-selling author of See You in the Piazza, Bella Tuscany, Every Day in Tuscany, A Year in the World, and of course, Under the Tuscan Sun. We have Francis Mays with us. Francis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joe. I'm glad to be here. We are so happy you're here because you actually have a new book coming out called Always Italy. And Always Italy is, it's a travel guide for all regions of Italy, not specifically one area. All 20 regions of Italy. That was just the glory of doing the research for this book was that I got to go absolutely everywhere. Of course, you know, I've lived in Tuscany for years and have traveled a lot in Italy. But there were certain places I'd never been to, mainly in the south, regions such as Basilicata, Molise, Calabria. Never been down there very much. So that was a revelation to get to know the south a whole lot better. And we should say on this book, on Always Italy, you partnered with Ondine Cohen, who is a Condé Nast traveler and New York Times travel writer. How did you guys develop the partnership and then decide to do Italy specific? Well, she was a friend and she just came to me naturally when National Geographic told me I could have a co-author. There's so much detail in a book like this, so much research that I knew if I was ever going to get it done, it would be best to have a good partner. So Ondine's right over the valley in Pienza. That's the little town that makes all the pecorino. And I had known her for a while, so I called her immediately and said, this is a great project. You want to work with it on me, with me on it? She said, yes. And it was a great collaboration because we had such different interests. She has a 10-year-old child, so she's very interested in travel with children. She's a marathon runner. She's very interested in outdoor activities. So those became two complementary things. I'm more interested in architecture, the food, the wine, but she has a great interest in film. So we just really worked very well to work together. So let's talk specifically about Tuscany. What initially drew you to Tuscany? You mentioned you restored a couple of homes there, and obviously your memoir inspired a blockbuster movie where it was loosely based on your story, from what I understand. What is it about Tuscany and you, and how did it all start? It started with the Renaissance for me. I just loved Renaissance art. And after I'd studied Renaissance art and architecture in college, I just wanted to go there and to see all the things I'd studied. Of course, the minute I got there, I was in Bologna at those arcaded cafes And I realized that everybody was having such a great time, keyed in immediately to that vivacity of Italian life and how immediate the everyday pleasures are. And I think I originally went there for art, as many people do, but I really stayed because of the life, because of people. It was was a revelation. So kind of the minute I got there, I was done for. I liked it immediately and just started going there as much as possible ever since. And finally rented a house in the countryside that actually was near Cortona, where I ended up buying a house. But I am curious, when you restored the house, are the furnishings, did you furnish them all locally? Oh, that was so much fun. It's still fun because we're still doing projects, but... 
I furnished a lot of it by going to the antique market in Arezzo, which is one of the great markets in all of Italy, all of Europe, actually. So that, and I also designed a lot of the furniture myself. I think the satisfaction of making something just the way you want it is so easy there because you take it to the furniture maker and you show them this picture and they look at it and say, well, is two weeks okay? (laughs) It's easy. So I've done a lot of uh, cabinetry and armadios and chairs, even the sofa in our living room I designed and just had it made. Our kitchen table, our chairs. I've loved that whole amano, the hand. That's another one of those words that you get to do something in such a personal way. It's not like you're going in a furniture store and you're picking out something or you're ordering it online. It's something incredibly yours. And I feel that way, you know, at the antique markets too, you just find these one-of-a-kind things. With Always Italy and Tuscany in particular, what can you tell listeners that they don't know about Tuscany? I think Tuscany seems like someplace that's going to be crowded and very touristy. And it can be, uh, particularly in Florence in July or some Siena around the time of their horse races, um, even the little hill towns can be quite crowded during the height of the tourist season. But the whole secret of Tuscany is that it's rather large and it's so easy to get on back roads and come to small villages and to discover it in a whole new way. I particularly, in this book, Always Italy, enjoy going over to the region around the Marema, the swampy area, which is now such a hot wine area. There's so many little towns in that area, hill towns, untouched. You're the only tourist there. There's the great trattoria that's run by the family. That authentic experience that you really go to Italy to have is still there all over Tuscany. There are many many tiny towns and many, many villages that you won't find that kind of expectation of tourism there. Also, Tuscany, even in the hot tourist spots, Florence and and Siena and Montepulciano and San Gimignano, off-season, they revert to who they are. And I always say, if you can travel in spring or fall, that's the best. But I love traveling in the winter, too when these Tuscan towns just revert to the way they always have been, and I hope always will be. In terms of the food and wine of the region and restaurants that you can tell our listeners, you, you have to go here, the food is amazing. What recommendations would you have? Oh, so many. This book has a gajillion restaurant recommendations, and I'd love to balance my recommendations among the absolutely traditional Trattoria in the area, the family-run, you know, nourishing, hearty food, warm welcome. I love those places. But I also love what's happening now in Italy, which is that so many chefs have come back home after having left to go train somewhere, growing up thinking, you know, I've got to get out of here. I want to go cook in Milano or Rome. So they do, but then in the Italian way, after a while, there they come home and they open their beautiful, curated, inventive restaurants where they 
do not throw out the baby with the bathwater. They keep the traditions, but bring in their innovations around that. I also love, you know, really the totally high-end, three-star, two-star restaurants. So there's a range of recommendations that I recommend, and I think that's really just a fun way to eat, as well as picking up things at the grocery store and going to sit on one of those hills like you have in the background here and just enjoying some simple cheese and salami and wine. What is a day in the life like for you? What do you do in the morning and obviously just outside of the work? Because I'm sure you're probably writing extensively. How do you enjoy yourself? Taking long walks on Roman roads is one of my favorite things to do. But usually every morning I get up and walk into town and go to a different bar and have a cappuccino with a friend usually. Sometimes I'm very early and just go in and sit in the piazza by myself, maybe take a few notes, read a little bit. Just seeing the town wake up is such an extraordinary pleasure. The little trucks are allowed in to make deliveries early in the morning and the town starts bustling. I pick up many recipes at the outdoor markets and also at the Fruta Vidura, you chat, what do you do with this kind of kale? Uh, these pomegranates are just in, what do you do with these? It's just this huge communication that promotes such an intense sense of community. So I like to start my day that way, going into town and seeing everything come to life for just another one of these great Tuscan days. Now, I'd like to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. So do you mind if I ask you a couple of those? Okay. So our first question, we're big on bucket lists here at Destination Everywhere. Have you ever completed anything on your bucket list? And if so, what was it? Well, yes. Buying a house in Italy was the biggest item ever on my bucket list. And I was crazy enough to do that. So I'd say that would be it. I kind of had a feeling you were going to say that one. And I'm going to exclude... North Carolina or Tuscany from this answer. But if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? I would love to live in Istanbul for a year. I think it's one of the most complex, layered cities in the world. I've been there a couple of times and incredibly intrigued by those houses along the Bosphorus. I'd love to live in one of those for a year. Beautiful. That's a great answer. And if you could travel with someone infamous or famous, dead or alive, who would it be? I would love to travel with Colette. Of course, she's dead, but she's one of my favorite writers. And I feel like I learned so much about writing from her because she is so totally involved with the senses when she writes. And I think she would be a great travel companion. Wonderful. So when packing for a trip, what is something that you pack that may surprise our listeners? Well, going to Italy, I pack brown sugar and pecans. That might surprise because I'm a Southern cook. So I love brown sugar and pecans and I can't get them there. Coming back, I bring back fennel flowers because they're hard to find here. Fresh, I harvest my own fennel flowers and my own bay leaves. So I bring those back. I also bring back a whole suitcase full of beautiful Italian soaps, which drives my husband crazy because they're quite heavy. (laughs) You've got the 50 or 75 pound limit. Be careful. And then what is your most memorable experience in Tuscany personally? Restoring the house because it was, as I mentioned earlier, our way into the culture, but just to bring something back into the patrimony 
that had been neglected and was going to stay neglected, I think, to bring it back to its full presence in the world was most enjoyable thing I think I've ever done in Tuscany. Where can our listeners keep up with what you're doing? Where can they follow you on social media or your website? I love Instagram. I'm on Instagram. It's Francis E. Mays that has an E in the middle of it. But I have an author's page on Facebook and website on Francis Mays Books. Well, Francis, thank you so much. We wish you the best of luck and can't wait to see what you do next. Are you ready to book your hotel for your next company event or family adventure? Let AMI help. We have ongoing relationships with all major hotel chains and access to over 200,000 hotels. Why us? We receive special promotions before they hit the open market, meaning significant cost savings to you. Go to destination-everywhere.com and click the Source Now button and let us get to work for you. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere, Tuscany, Italy. I just want to talk for a second about Frances Mays because she's such a neat person to talk to because you actually, I don't know, maybe it's a gift of being an, an author, but when she's talking, you can actually visualize being in those settings that she was talking about, you know, in a little cafe or going shopping in an antique market, you know, redoing your house. It kind of clears your head. It was really, really nice to speak with her. What a great interview. Yeah, she was wonderful. And I'm looking forward to seeing what she has next, especially in that partnership with uh, National Geographic, because the pictures are going to be absolutely stunning. Absolutely. I've gotten to see a few of them and it's really, it's just a, a gorgeous place. But now let's talk a little bit about our top 10 bucket list items for the region, for Tuscany. So that said, Andy, I'm going to let you start with yours and you tell us what's on your list. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think Florence has always been one of my favorite cities in Tuscany. I've been there many times. And there's actually a a lot of people don't know that Florence has a really, really rich history in in fashion like Milan. Gucci is actually from Florence. But speaking of high quality leather goods, you can actually take a a leather making class in Florence and at the Scuola del Chio, you can take a, a leather making workshop and learn how to cut, assemble and stitch different pieces. So that's pretty amazing. I love that idea. Speaking of Florence, our next visit for Florence is going to be the Vasari Corridor. And what the Vasari Corridor is, it's one of Florence's best kept secrets. It's a private overground passage that links the Uffizi Gallery to the Palazzo Pitti. And it features one of Europe's most exclusive art collections. That's amazing. Amazing. And the thing about it, visitors can only view it by a special appointment. So plan ahead if this is something that you know you want to do, or if you are just a fan of art, plan ahead and get your appointment to go see this collection. Yeah. And speaking of collection and antiques, this is something Francis mentioned and something that was really fun to do is the Arezzo Fiera Antiquera Market. It's a market. It's one of her favorite spots and you can pick up antique pieces, paintings, wine racks, furnitures, and it can be quite affordable and you can get a good deal. So it is open the first week of every month and definitely something fun and something to do. Yeah, because Francis mentioned that in, with the restoration of the house, her house in Tuscany, she kept it all local merchandise, local antiques to keep it true to its original glory. The next one, we're going to attend an annual horse race in Siena's main square. Oh, how fun. And it's the Palio di Siena. It's one of the most important events in Siena. And it's an annual horse race. It takes place twice a year in July and August. And 10 riders represent one of the city's contrad. 
And it's a very passionate event for locals and they pretty much dedicate their entire day to it. So if you get there in July or August, put this on your list of must-dos. Excellent. So off the coast of Tuscany, the third largest island after Sardinia and Sicily is Elba and most famously known for housing Napoleon, the French emperor in 1814 during his exile. But the Blue Seas and the rich seabed is definitely one of those trips you want to take, especially if you're a history buff. And there's great diving and snorkeling as well. So you can actually get that done a little bit of history too. Well, we're going to go to San Miniato. And San Miniato, there's truffle hunting and it's actually white truffle hunting. We've done that before. We've done it. We did it in Slovenia, but we know Italy has great food, but San Miniato, it's a huge foodie spot in Tuscany. And they're primarily known for their white truffles. You can hunt them for yourself. You can take a cooking class, indulge just at a local restaurant. There's also a well-known butcher shop called Falashi, and it's run by a fourth-generation butcher whose grandfather opened the shop in 1925, and the family works with local farmers to produce basically all kinds of meats that serve clients and restaurants in the area. So if you're a foodie, you might want to check that out. Awesome. Speaking of being a foodie, how about some pesto making in Cinque Terre? And it's in the town of Manarola. Nessun Dorma is the name of the restaurant. And it's overlooking the water in town and offers the guests the opportunity to make their own pesto. So, you know, Todd and I, we love cooking classes. And this isn't just an ordinary cooking class. You'll learn about the ingredients, pick your own basil leaves, and learn how to make your own sauce and then enjoy everything with meat and cheeses during lunch. And it wouldn't be Italy if they didn't add some wine into the, <laughs> into the lunch as well with a personal sommelier. So this is a great, fun way to learn how to make pesto and something great to do with the family. And now that sounds really good. We always seem to do these right around lunch. It does. We got to do that. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we think about Italy and we really think of it as a summer destination. I think primarily most of us do. Their season, their peak season is June through August, uh, summer. But there's actually a lot you can do in the off season, which is really November through March. And the deals are amazing. So there's one of those places that you feel you couldn't stay or couldn't take a group because it was too expensive, take them on the off season and you will be a hero. In the off season, you can ski, you can still shop all the local street markets. You could take advantage of winter sales, which is always a great thing to do. They have great wellness tourism with hot springs and mud baths and Tuscan Carnavale. And of course the Christmas markets, you know, I think we think of Germany primarily when we think of Christmas markets, but they're all over Europe and they are absolutely magical in holiday season. Finally, my last bucket list item is actually going beyond the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So it is actually in a square, which is the Piazza dei Miracoli, which translates into the square of miracles. And there's a, obviously there's a Leaning Tower, but there's also cathedrals, a, mon a monumental ce uh, a cemetery, and there's so much to see just in and around the area. Well, and our next one actually segues into our next guest, which is a winery tour and tasting in Chianti. And it is such a great wine. It is very specific to the Chianti region of Tuscany. And even more specific is Chianti Classico. And Chianti Classico is a smaller region within the Chianti region. And this is the only place this is made. And we're actually going to be talking to Castello di Gabbiano. And I was actually just reading something about them and a partnership they have with Treasury Wine Estates. And they have something called Cavallera d'Oro, which actually means the gold knight. And it is a Chianti Classico and it's amazing. And 
If you've never had a, a Chianti, definitely try it. It's a nice, hearty, flavorful wine. So you can actually you can go in season. You can see the stompings. You can go in off season as well and, and still go look at the, the grapevines. They have such a tremendous history there, an amazing restaurant in this one place we're going to talk to in a second, the, the uh, Castello de Gabbiano. But I definitely recommend it. And you can't not have the Chianti Classico and not also sample some of the Tuscan olive oil that is there and produced there. So definitely put that on your bucket list. And we're going to tell you how to do it in just a minute. So we will be right back with our next guest. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere. I'm really excited to have our next guest here. Our next guest is Federico Cirelli. He is a winemaker for Castello de Gabbiano, one of the most historical Chianti Classico estates in one of the most prestigious wine production centers in Tuscany. He graduated with a degree in enology and viticulture from the University of Florence, and we'll, we'll explain what those are in just a second. And Federico is also a teacher for Italy's National Organization of Wine Tasters. So thank you for joining us, Federico. It's a pleasure, Todd. What is the proper way to test a wine? If it come, you've selected a bottle, they bring it to you, how should that wine be served and how should it be tested or tasted initially? The, regarding the server temperature, the temperature in server is very important. 99% of the time you could have a suggestion in the back label of the bottle. Please follow the suggestion. And especially for important red wine, my suggestion is to open at least one hour before when it's possible, but especially for aged wines. And then the first things you have to do is smell the cork and check the cork. The cork is also another important, or the cork or in general, the closure of the bottle is another important thing so that you can understand the philosophy of the producer from the closure of the bottle. And then the first things obviously is to is to check the color, see what the color say. From the color, you can understand if you are drinking white, red, but also you can understand if you are drinking an old or young wine. And then close your eyes and try to smell and try to understand what you are smelling and try to say, oh, this is the smell of my garden in the springtime. It could be something like that because everybody have a different selection of flavor in the mind right and then after that put in your mouth and when you have in your mouth try to spread out the wine in all the part of the tongue in the tongue you have different point where you taste different things for example in the top of the tongue you have the sensation of sweetness and that's the reason why you must to move the wine in all your tongue and then after that, you have also to consider the aftertaste. The aftertaste is also very important. That helps you to understand how the wine is important, how the wine is complex. And if, to measure the aftertaste is, all, is very easy. Just you try to count down how many seconds you feel the sensation of the wine in your mouth. Nice. So at your estate at the Castello de Gambiano. What types of wines are made from the estate-grown grapes there? Here we are in the heart of, we are in Tuscany. We are in the heart of Chianti Classico Appellation. We are between Florence and Siena, two of the most appealing uh, cities you, you can visit in, in, in Italy, I think. And here we are, the king of grape is the red grape is Sangiovese. Sangiovese is the king of Chianti Classico. It's the most important grape of Chianti Classico. 
You're saying Chianti Classico. So what's the difference between a Chianti and then the Classico? Yeah. Thanks, Todd, for the question, because a lot of people, they speak about Chianti, but they don't know the difference between Chianti and Chianti Classico. First of all, it's very easy to recognize a Chianti and the Chianti Classico because just the Chianti Classico have, have the black rootstock, the Gallo Nero. And the Chianti Classico is a specific area inside of Chianti area that is about 10 times smaller than the Chianti area appellation, where the soil is more hilly and the soil is more poor in terms of kind of soil. But uh-huh. there you can grow a very high level of quality of grape. And for that reason, Chianti Classico wine is a wine for long aging. Respect to Chianti, that is a wine for every day. As both the wine are made with Sangiovese, mm-hmm. but Chianti is a wine more easy drinking. And the area of Chianti is bigger than area of Chianti Classico and is located in Tuscany, but is much bigger. The area of Chianti included also Arezzo, and other provinces around Siena and Firenze. But Chianti Classico is a specific area where the real Chianti born, the historical Chianti born in Chianti Classico. And then we call Chianti Classico because it's the classic area where the real story of Chianti born. Well, tell us a little bit about the estate. Obviously, it's a winery, but you also have sleeping rooms. It's a beautiful historical building. Tell us a little bit about that and the guest experience. Because the rooms, I understand, are renovated farmhouses around the property as well as in the castle. Is that correct? Yeah. The, you know, the property is uh, under your shoulder. You know, the medieval castle, that's a real castle, 11th, 24th century castle. Wow. Wow. That is a relation to hotel. Inside, we have 11 suite. That's it. And then we have another five guest house to rent a beautiful swimming pool in the backyard of the castle. And then in the property, we have a restaurant too, Il Cavaliere, nice restaurant. And then what we do in the property is also wine tour. We have a beautiful cellar door next to the castle. We do wine tour that include the visit of the historical cellar in the basement of castle. One of the most historical cellar in Italy, for sure, because the basement is the real basement, 11th, 24th century. Right. And then we do cooking class at the restaurant for the tourists, if they need. We do vineyard visit. We do a lot of activity around the castle. And for us, I think every time you come to Gabbiano and you taste our wine in the property, it's like a real life experience. And everybody, they've been to visit us and they become the best ambassador of the brand Gabbiano in the world. If someone's coming to the hotel, what is one thing that they have to do? Obviously, there's a lot of activities, but what is one thing that they absolutely have to do when they're in the area? When they are in the area, for me, relax (laughs) in the pool have a glass of the rosé wine, that uh, sparkling rosé wine that I made on the pool there. And then at the dinner time, have a nice dinner in our restaurant at the Cavaliere. That uh, is unbelievable quality of food. That could be one day. And another thing they must to do for sure for me is visit Monterigioni. That is a village, a medieval village that uh, not many people know. But it is impressive how 
you can understand the story and what they did in the medieval time. And is a very nice and is very near to Gabbiano too. And then what about uh, olive oils and balsamic dressings and, and things? There's makers of those in the, in the region as well. Is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. In our estate too, we make olive oil. We have about 1,200 tree of olive oil. And we have our machine to make uh, the olive oil in, in the property. We don't nice. move the olive fruit from here to make olive oil. And then uh, also here in the state, in Gabbiano state, we make a balsamic dressing. It's not me because why making don't make balsamic <laughs> dressing? Don't make, don't make uh, <laughs> the balsamic dressing, but we make an unbelievable balsamic dressing thanks to a guy that he work in this specific, in these things. And he's from Modena. For that reason, he know very well how to make the balsamic vinegar. And he helped us to make the balsamic dressing that is very similar to the balsamic vinegar, but it's not vinegar because we are not in Modena, but we are in right. San Casciano. We cannot call uh, balsamic vinegar, but we call dressing. That's it. That's another thing I did not know. You have to be from a very specific area to call it the vinegar, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I know you are giving away, you're offering a wonderful extended tour and tasting for two, a guided visit to the castle and the vineyards and wine cellars, and an introduction to Chianti Classico, the wine, as well as the Tuscan olive oil. So we want to thank you so much for that. And our listeners can go to our website and register for that. So Federico, thank you so much. We wish you the best of luck. Grazie Todd. And if you come, for sure, we will have a nice glass of wine together. Welcome back, everyone. Well, well, that's Tuscany, and we only just hit the tip of the iceberg. It is just an amazing place, and we'll be back many, many times. Todd, with the, all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing that you haven't done that you want to put on your bucket list? Well, something I've, I've never done, and I'm, I love history, European history. I, I'd love to go check out Elba and kind of learn about Napoleon's exile in Elba and exactly how much of a prison was it? it? Because it sounds pretty nice to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I think a really unique take on that is uh, make it part of a diving or snorkeling trip as well, since it's all right there. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, mine is, is I've got to um, visit the winery Estello de Gabbiano. I just think it's going to be one of those really, really special places where you can experience the entire winemaking process. So that is definitely on my bucket list. Well, and now we know Federico, so we will definitely yeah. <laughs> have to reach out to him and plan a trip out there. Yeah, I greatly appreciate his time on Destination Everywhere. Well, that concludes this episode for Destination Everywhere, Tuscany. We'd like to thank our team, Chris Jordan, our copywriter, Annie Fernandez, the creative director, and of course, Lauren Campbell, our podcast producer. So please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your preferred podcast application or by going to www.destination-everywhere.com. Until next time on Destination Everywhere, safe travels. You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit www.americanmeetings.com. Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.